Hello and welcome to D23 Inside Disney, the show that gives you a look at the latest Disney news and a peek at the people who make the magic at the Walt Disney Company. I'm D23's Jeffrey Epstein. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And we're your hosts who will take you Inside Disney. Welcome to Walt Disney World, guys. Thank you. It's so fun. Yay. I can't believe we're here. I can't either. We've been having such a good time. I know. I have like a permagrin on my face the whole time. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Well, other than going on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which we're going to chat with Kevin Rafferty and Sharita Carter in a little bit. They were mm-hmm. fantastic, the Imagineers behind that, yeah. and we had so much fun. But I don't know what was more fun, going in that attraction or seeing the expression on your face as we did Slinky Dog Dash. <laughs> oh my so gosh. I excited to just fast pass it up and get on Slinky Dog so quick. Oh. I, have, so I wish fun. I had a video just of your face, that, and not <laughs> yes. only on the attraction, but like leading up to it. You were so yes. excited. I know. It was. It was like pure joy. I'm so glad I got to ride it with you guys. It was really fun. So many fun things and like so much more to still head once we're done chatting here. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this morning when I was over at Epcot, I may have done a ride on Spaceship Earth. What? It's one of my favorites. You know me. I just I'm finding ways to get this stuff in. I'm like, be right there, guys. Just hold on another minute. (laughs) I'll be in the restroom. (laughs) 30 minutes. (laughs) Exactly. Spaceship Earth. one of the original attractions here at Epcot. It's been reimagined a few times and now starting on May 26th, it's going under its most magical reinvention ever. On the Parks blog, they showed some of the concept artwork, which looks beautiful, really using light in ways that they haven't done that in the attraction before. It looks like it's going to be breathtaking and it's going to take probably one of my park favorites and make it even more favorite. Yeah. The most favorite. The most favorite. The favorite favoritist. Oh. Jinx. Jinx. So I so can't wait for that very soon. That's awesome. Well, I don't know if you guys saw all of the new merch going around. Oh, yeah. Oh, Inspired yeah. by Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It's everywhere. The, my favorite thing, I think, so far is the headband inspired by the attraction. It has, like, Engineer Goofy, oh, yeah. Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse. And then on the side, if you've noticed, there's some of the lyrics to the theme song of the attraction. So wow. it says, nothing can stop us now, which I think is so cute. So cute. And we did a video version of our podcast, mm-hmm. which you can check out on d23.com or YouTube or many other places in the socials. And we actually show off some of this stuff. So tune in for that. You can actually see it. Yay. And there's an ornament, Jeffrey. So oh. Christmas rolls around. Oh. You, got you know me. Runaway railway ornament. <laughs> I, I, there's all kinds of stuff, though. Plush dolls. Done teas, and done. Take my money. Wishables. <laughs> They're so cute. They are. They are. Well, over on the West Coast, Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival has kicked off. Woo-hoo! Yay! Sherry, like, I can't even believe you're here when there's a food it's, festival it happening somewhere. It is really somewhere. difficult for me to not be there right now, but just know it, it's happening through April 21st, so I've got time. You I've got do. time to check it out, unless I decide to just stay here and ride Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway until April 21st, <laughs> which could happen. It could. It's very fun. <laughs> true. This year at the festival, we've got a couple of marketplaces that are returning like avocado time and my favorite nuts about cheese (laughs) two of my favorite things and a couple of the food highlights from this year are the mickey shaped caramel peanut milk chocolate macaron can you imagine i would need to be eating it on a treadmill like like, oh my gosh 10 of those yes 
from a feast for the mouth to a feast of the senses. Look at that transition. Marvel Future Avengers is now streaming on Disney Plus, the first season of the anime series, which follows Makoto, a young boy who developed superpowers from a Hydra genetic engineering experiment as one does. <laughs> it's a really, really fun show, actually. I caught one of the episodes, and it is streaming now on Disney+, Plus, and all of that Marvel stuff going to get us ready for Avengers Campus opening this summer at Disney California Adventure. So a whole lot of marvelous Marvel. Totally. Well, we have to talk about a show that I am so involved in, and Monday night is the finale of The Bachelor on ABC. ABC does have a new addition to The Bachelor franchise. It's called The Bachelor Presents Listen to Your Heart. This is so exciting. Basically... It's men and women trying to find love with a little musical twist. So it's going to be hosted by Chris Harrison, of course, because no one could host The Bachelor like Chris Harrison. 23 singles. They're taking their journey to find love through music. So you're going to see them singing well-known songs, both individually and as couples. And they'll basically try to form an attraction through the music. So they're going to be tested through musical challenges, live performances, which are going to be judged by some big wigs in the music industry. I'm not sure who just yet, but that'll be exciting to see. Sounds cool. Basically, it's going to come down to the loveiest couple and the music. Finding Love on the show. It's going to premiere Monday, April 13th on ABC. And speaking of The Bachelor, we have a new Bachelorette. You guys can tell I'm totally invested in this franchise, right? Yeah, tell us more. You are amazing. Yes, well, they announced it on GMA this week. The new Bachelorette is Claire Crawley. She was actually on the show on Juan Pablo's season, which was about six years ago. She was on Paradise twice. She did Winter Games, and she's back to find love as The Bachelorette. I think she's going to do it, too. Ooh, fingers Mm. crossed. Good luck, Claire. (laughs) Well, in other exciting series news, huge announcement this week. The Proud Family, louder and prouder, is coming to Disney+. Plus. So it is a revival of the original animated series, The Proud Family, which I just found out premiered 18 years ago. What? What? Seriously? Yeah. (laughs) It was time. I guess. (laughs) I don't know about you guys. I grew up watching The Proud Family. I loved that show. It had such good characters and such an interesting story and like really powerful messages about inclusion and diversity. And I just can't wait to see it all come back bigger and better and louder and prouder. So the story picks up with its central character, Penny Proud. And we also get to see all of the original cast members like her parents, Oscar and Trudy. BB and Cece, and of course, Sugar Mama. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I've got to admit, I missed the Proud Family. It was a little, I I was already adulting at that time. I know, now I'm going to go back. Yeah, Yeah. all previous seasons of the Proud Family are now streaming on Disney Plus, and I am just so excited for the revival. There's concept art, by the way, on Disney Plus. I don't know if you guys saw, but the new Artemis Fowl trailer just dropped. It opens on May 29th. It looks so cool. The special Mm -hmm. effects are amazing Um, obviously based on the very popular book about a 12 year old criminal mastermind it looks extraordinary and i can't wait directed by kenneth branagh if you have not seen the trailer you can go to d23.com and check it out it is super sensory overload at least yeah you saw it it. was super intense Yeah. Yeah. yeah very intense very intense also intense is our love for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And true last that. week, true, last week we had a chance to chat with Kevin Rafferty and Sharita Carter, two of the Imagineers who really brought this unbelievable attraction to life. We are here with Walt Disney Imagineering's Kevin Rafferty, the show writer and creative director for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and that attraction's 
creative producer Sharita Carter here on Inside Disney. Welcome. Thank Thank you. you. Glad to be here. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's been quite a wonderful, fun journey. You know, it's it's, it's really cool to think about an attraction, the first ever ride-through attraction featuring Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. And you think about the history with Mickey being born on the train. We have a train in the attraction, mm. and Walt's Walt Disney's favorite hobby was trains, and it's just it's really cool to kind of bring all that together. Yes, yes. coincidence? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> well, speaking of journeys, take us back to your arrival at Disney. So, Kevin, you started out as a dishwasher at Disneyland in the seventies, and Sharita, you began as a Walt Disney Imagineering accountant. Tell us about how you got to where you are. Well, okay, I'll go first. Yes. So I actually worked for a company that was across the street from Imagineering, and it was my inroad into entertainment. I started out as an accountant, worked for a CPA firm, went into the private sector, and then broke into the entertainment industry for a company that did educational software. And we literally sublet the building from the Disney company. So I was across from Imagineering, and we would always just hear all this just really weird, amazing stuff happening in the parking lot, things being shot into the air, and, you know, it was like, That was me. (laughs) What did they do over there? Well, that company ended up getting bought out and moved, and so I literally walked my resume across the street, and I was hired as an accountant for the Disney company, did that for a couple of years, and then had an opportunity to become a financial analyst for the creative division. So that was my exposure to the creative division and the heart of Imagineering. And to make a long story short, I really kind of found my tribe. You know, I was exposed to a lot. I got to see what we did creatively. I worked in the very upfront ideation and blue sky area, just really helping out the producers and the creative directors. And what that really did was it allowed me in the room. And I just got to start just really understanding what we did and found out I had an affinity for it. And I put together a proposal, worked with others to kind of take a look at revamping our whole ideation studio. Uh, It got funded. And then I was invited to come into the creative group. So that was the beginning. Wow. Wow. It's all about location. (laughs) Well, my start wasn't as elegant as that was. (laughs) But uh, I started in the mid-70s washing dishes at the Plaza Inn at Disneyland. And I wanted to get my foot in the door with the company because I lived pretty close to Disneyland growing up, but I wanted to be a Disney animator, not necessarily at the time an Imagineer. But when I went to work for Disneyland and really kind of fell in love with how it operated and listening to the guest comments and the park itself, I was turning in my costume one evening and I saw a poster next to the costume place and it was a poster of Mickey Mouse holding Mickey ears saying, Mickey wants you. And I said, Mickey wants me for what? And I went over (laughs) and I I read it and said, they were looking for artists and designers to help design and develop Epcot Center, is what it was called at the time, at Wet Enterprises. I was just wrapping up my art degree and I said, that's me. And so I went up for actually the very last interview that they had available at Wet Enterprises at the time. And I thought I was going to be a designer But, you know, this is a kid fresh out of college thinking he's just going to be a designer. But I actually got a very entry-level job at WED, took a cut and pay from Disneyland, and swept floors and empty trash cans and set up conference rooms and cut the mats for the real artists at WED Enterprises. But it was amazing. I mean, I didn't know anybody there at the time. But at the time, all of the founding fathers and mothers of Disneyland were still there. So your Herb Ryman's and your Claude Coates and Ward Kimball's, and everybody was still kind of there walking around. 
So working with them and for them, I didn't work with them, I worked for them, <laughs> uh, I, I got to learn from the best in the business, from yes. those that created the business. And when I started, there were two Disney theme parks in the world. There was Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom at uh, Walt Disney World. Since that time, I've seen a lot of growth and a lot going on and <laughs> resorts and parks and cruise ships and just a bunch of wonderful stuff. But yeah, it's just really cool how Kevin said, you know, he had the opportunity to learn from the best. And at Imagineering, I know my experience has been also that you're exposed to world-class talent and everybody kind of has like a mentoring, teaching spirit, right? It's just been really wonderful because we've both been exposed to so many amazing people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, me getting to work with Kevin has just been one of the most amazing Aww. parts Aww. of my career. <laughs> I tell him often that I have felt like every day is like a master class because Kevin has really perfected what it is that we do at Imagineering. And I'm just going to embarrass him a little bit more because as he, well, mentioned, <laughs> as he mentioned how he started out as a dishwasher and then when he got to Imagineering, he was sweeping the floor and cleaning up in the model shop. Well, as much as Kevin has accomplished to date, he still has that same attitude. We were getting ready for, I think, think a press event in one of the theaters in the attraction and the floor had not been vacuumed and people were kind of becoming you know in a very short period of time <laughs> Kevin went and found the vacuum and vacuumed the floor That's so oh, he, I love that, that spirit has just never left him That's how I started my career <laughs> right. I, I never forgot So you've come full circle What I love so much about both of your stories oh. is I, I feel like it sends a message especially to young people that says you could start as a dishwasher. You can start as an accountant. You can be somewhere completely out of left field and still find your way here at Disney, which I love. Right. That's right. right. Yep. All you have to do is work hard and have work dreams. Work very hard and have a vision. That, yeah. <laughs> there you go. We got to experience one of your visions here this week. Uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Woo-hoo. Why is that attraction such a good fit for Disney's Hollywood Studios and the Chinese Theater? You want me to take this one? Yeah, Sharita? go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, the Chinese Theater at Disney's Hollywood Studios is the perfect front door for our attraction story because we're here today to see Mickey and Minnie's latest cartoon short called Perfect Picnic, which was, you know, an imaginary developed story, all original. But the story is that we're here today at the theater to see the, the premiere of the short. And something very fun and magical happens that actually allows you to step into the cartoon and you get to ride inside a Mickey Mouse cartoon short. But the Chinese Theater could not be more perfect as the front door. Plus, a lot of people don't know, Mickey and Minnie have a, have a history with the Chinese yes, Theater. Yes, indeed. In 1931, Mickey steps out, screened at the Chinese Theater. In 1933, Mickey's gala premiere screened at the Chinese Theater, where there was actually a cartoon version of the Chinese Theater in the cartoon. <laughs> oh, cool. Sharita and I like to say, you know, really, what better place in Disney's Hollywood studio than the heart of the park for right. Mickey and Minnie's first ever attraction? right. I love that. Can you walk us a little bit through the story and what we'll see? Well, first of all, you are going to enter into the beautiful Chinese theater and you will see a lovely lobby where just the opulent design and everything is showcased. And then you also get to see where we have premiered previous shorts there at the theater. And a lot of our guests will recognize them as a number of the shorts that they have seen on the Disney Channel and now Disney Plus as some of their favorites. So you'll see those posters. And then you'll have an opportunity to come into the auditorium where you will actually get to see the premiere of Perfect Picnic. Yeah. And those those posters that Sharita mentioned are actually exclusive to the attraction 
because we asked our partners at Disney TV Animation to design the posters to look like movie posters so we could feature them in the lobby to support the story that this is where Mickey and Minnie shorts premiere. And then things go... Well, and then... Off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the perfect way to say it. <laughs> we actually see the short, and something happens in the short, as I mentioned, that, that allows you to step into it. And now you're in the cartoon world where the art direction, everything around you, inside the attraction itself, makes you believe that you're in the cartoon. And Sharita can talk about that a little bit better, but it's about the theater, and it's about the, the style and the art direction and the music and the cadence. I mean, this attraction was inspired by the new series of Mickey cartoon shorts Mm -hmm. by the comedy and the cadence and the edginess and kind of the the off-register backgrounds, which were originally created by art director Joseph Holt, who we asked to come in and be a consultant on our attraction so we could keep that art direction honest. Secondly, Christopher Willis, who's the composer and composed a bunch of original music on the Mickey shorts, came onto our team as well because it needed to look like a short, it needed to sound like a short. And then the second real inspiration is all thanks to our brilliant Sharita Carter here and her team and what she's done in the past 10 years, and that is just amazing scenic illusion development. She's fearless. She's very brave. (laughs) She does things that people would be afraid to, but what it did was it brought the level of our theatrical immersion in attractions to a whole different level, and it was the only way that we could immerse guests into the cartoon world and keep them in the spell of that and help them believe it. And then we came up with an original story as kind of the third leg of the stool. And that inspired the original theme song, which is stuck in everybody's heads now. (laughs) And um, it's all about cartoon logic. You go to places you don't expect. It's very fun and whimsical and colorful and musical. And there's surprises around every corner. And uh, and it's got a beautiful, heartwarming, Mickey and Minnie, happily ever after ending finale. Yeah, and oftentimes Kevin will say that we actually took 10 pounds of show and we put it in a five-pound bag. (laughs) There is so much happening in this attraction. Our guests will have to ride it over and over again just to be able to pick up on everything. Challenge accepted. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the challenges we have in a dimensional experience is to kind of capture the cadence of a cartoon short, right? So on a flat screen, you can smash cut and you can, you know, make it move quickly and move along and all that. But when you're in a physical space and actually traveling through it, it's a little bit harder. And, you know, the other day, Sharita, somebody told me, I forgot to tell you this, but they said, wow, you guys really captured kind of the the cadence or the timing of a cartoon short. So (laughs) that was pretty cool. (laughs) That was was pretty cool. We set out to do that. You talked about it a little bit earlier, but... One of my favorite parts about the attraction is you do such an amazing job bringing guests into the two-dimensional world. Can you talk a little bit about the design and the technology that went into that specifically? Sure. So as you know, the style of the shorts is that very 2D flat style. And I can tell you it has been a designer's delight to take on that challenge of just bringing that world and bringing it into a dimensional 3D world, right? So it was just really cool because, as Kevin mentioned, I've had the privilege of of leading a group called the Scenic Elysian Group. And it's a group of people, everybody has a theatrical background, everybody is fearless, everybody has just kind of that inventor's orientation, if you will. So 
over the years, we had been developing tools and techniques that would make our guests feel that they're surrounded and immersed in an environment, right? So that was one of the things that really kind of opened up the door for us to participate with this idea of putting our guests inside of a cartoon. So we literally pulled out every tool available to us. So we had a lot of cutting edge things that we had developed in the last several years, but we had made a commitment that we were always going to use the right tool for the right job. So when it came to things like Kevin had mentioned earlier, the sound design, you know, we went back to the methodologies that Jimmy McDonald had used. And then at the same time, you know, we looked at a lot of the things that we have created over the last couple of years and the way that we manifest our characters and the way that we use projection and the way that we use sound in the way that we use lighting. I think the innovation story for this particular attraction is that we took these things and we integrated them in a way that they had never been integrated before. And that was something that was really required to deliver on really putting you in a cartoon. The beautiful thing about what Sharita's group and all of her, her brilliant people and fearless people did was that you can immerse yourself into a dimensional theatrical space and have it change before your very eyes. And that's the magic and that's the key. And we have a lot of that going on in the attraction. And our guests have never seen anything like that before and they're loving it. Wow. I mean, Scenic Illusion Group sounds like literally a group of magicians. (laughs) (laughs) That's about right. Yeah, yeah, there's some of that in there. And it's just, it's been really great. Like I said, it was a wonderful challenge for us. And this idea of, as Kevin mentioned, transformation, you know, that's really kind of integral to the story that we're telling. And uh, we were able to come up with methodologies to create something that we were doing for the first time, but that our guests have never seen before. So I think that was one of the most thrilling aspects of it. And we've gotten that feedback when guests get into the space, you know, they say, we've never seen anything like this. And it's like, yes, that's what we set out to do. Well, that's, because, that's because we set out to do it the hard way. It was a lot of hard work. I mean, for example, you could have done a change of scenery if you did a sleight of hand and turn the room lights off and turn it back on and it was changed. But we preferred to take the hard way and to make that happen before our guests very often. That magician thing. Yeah. Right? Right? <laughs> so when they're in the car driving back to Cincinnati, this is what they're going to be talking about because they've never seen anything like this yet. Wow. So for those listening uh, who may not know, Up Iwerks actually worked with Walt to design Mickey Mouse. And his granddaughter, Leslie Iwerks, uh, not so long ago told D23 that there is a hidden Ub Iwerks somewhere in the attraction. Can you give us a hint? You know, Leslie is a dear friend of both Sharita's and mine. And, you know, there is so much that harkens back to the heritage of the Walt Disney Studio, to Mickey Mouse, a lot of nods to Mickey through the years. And, of course, we wouldn't have even done this attraction if it weren't for Walt Disney and Ub Iwerks, right? Mm -hmm. And it all started with a mouse. And so Ub's granddaughter, Leslie, came through a couple of months ago and we walked her through the attraction. We surprised, she, this is the weirdest story. This is a true story (laughs) and it really happened. You can ask Sharita, I'm not kidding. So as we're walking through, you know, the whole gag about hidden Mickeys and stuff, Mm -hmm. and Leslie grabbed me and she said, so are there any hidden Iwerks in here? And she winked, she was just kidding. And I said, why, yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> and we took her to where it was, and she was blown. She couldn't believe it. She was blown away. So there is, in our big city scene, a nod to Iwerks, and that's in honor of uh, Iwerks. For without him, we wouldn't have been standing in that scene, right? I love that. Wow. You mentioned it before when you mentioned Jimmy McDonald, and obviously Ub. Without Ub, there would not have been Steamboat Willie. Right. 
and you use the original whistle from Steamboat Willie in the attraction, which, I mean, talk about a nod to the heritage and the history, but how did that happen? Well, and you think about the significance of that is, you know, the first synchronized sound cartoon ever was Steamboat Willie in 1928, and we used the actual tritone whistle when Mickey pulls the rope in Steamboat Willie and the whistle, the big whistle blasts, we used that very whistle that was used to create that to be the whistle sound for our locomotive in the attraction. How did this happen? How did it happen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have access to the whistle. It had been stored in our Imagineering archives, Mm -hmm. I think is the place that we had had that. And um, as Kevin shared earlier, you know, he and Joe Harrington, who had worked with Jimmy McDonald, knew where it was, and we were able to pull it out of the archives. And it seems just so appropriate, as Kevin said. You know, we are committed to the right tool for the right job. And I think because we are hearkening back to the history and using that original whistle, I think that's contributing to the fact that this will be, this attraction is an instant classic. That might sound like it's contradicting itself, but when you think about how, you know, we are paying homage to the heritage of the company as well as providing a cutting edge attraction for our guests, I think, you know, instant classic is appropriate. And, you know, instant classic, I mean, the attraction features a lot of brand new state of the art technology, yes, right? It a does. lot. Yes, it and does. And it features the new style of Mickey and Minnie, you know, as, as created for the shorts. But no matter what Mickey looks like, he's still Mickey, and he still has this great history. And guests will feel a lot of the history in that attraction, and maybe subconsciously they won't be able to put their finger on it. But the great thing about the whistle is uh, when Joe Harrington and I took Jimmy McDonald to the Walt Disney Studio to retrieve all of his sound effects contraptions, which he lovingly hand-built and hand-performed all of his career here at the studio, when I was growing up, all the TV shows and cartoon shorts and feature animation and live-action Disney films, Jimmy provided, lovingly by hand, created all the sound effects for them. And wow. he not only performed the effects, he built a lot of them. So when Sharita mentioned the archives, Joe and I went over with a van and we took all of Jimmy's contraptions that he created here from the studio and brought them over to Imagineering where we locked them up in a cage. And among those items came that tritone whistle and the story of that was way back in the days of vaudeville drummers had a kit filled with sound effects devices you know all kinds of things bird whistles and other things like that and jimmy even though he built his own sound effects contraptions through the years this is one that he inherited because he showed up to the studio in 1934 steamboat willie was in 1928 and because he was the sound effects wizard at the studio he inherited those things and so we put it to good use today in our attraction yep and i have to tell you i geeked out a little bit because i actually got to blow the whistle (laughs) (laughs) that's cool and you know another connection one more thing about jimmy is if you don't know this, Jimmy was also the voice of Mickey Mouse for 38 years. Yeah, that's Walt important. Disney himself told Jimmy he was going to do it because he got too busy to do it. And so there are all these great connections back to Mickey and Minnie and how we created the attraction and what's in there now. Right, right. And as Kevin mentioned, it is an experience that our guests have never experienced before in terms of how it came together because we did use cutting-edge techniques and technology. And so then you've got this perfect marriage between heritage and, you know, innovation and... uh, we're really proud. <laughs> We're really proud. And, and we did a lot by hand, too. I mean, not, yes. just, not just a lot of hand-painted, scenically painted, but the soundscape, back to the sound effects for a minute, 
the soundscape we performed with Joe Harrington lovingly by hand. So every sound effect you hear in the attraction is old school Walt Disney Studios. Now you can go to digital files and, and find the you know the sound effects you need, like a car horn or something like that. Not here. Everything in the attraction is hand-performed. In fact, one of my favorites is a really silly thing. We have a croaking frog in our finale scene in the park, and that croaking frog is not really a frog at all. It's a Maxwell House coffee can with a piece of rubber over it and a cord <laughs> and a violin bow. And that's how Jimmy did it. Innovation. Oh, my wow. gosh. The right tool for the yeah, right job. That's, that's right. amazing. Jimmy could do literally everything. It's <laughs> really? Like. But, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, Kevin keeps mentioning the word lovingly. And that's something that carried over for every single team member that touched this attraction as well. And I think that's something that our guests are going to pick up on. Regardless of what discipline, whether it was paint, whether it was scenic design, everybody just put their heart and soul into this attraction. And it really, really shows. And I think our guests are going to subconsciously pick that up. For sure. Yeah. What are some other fun or lovingly (laughs) things that Disney fans should be on the lookout for when they get on the attraction? Well, one thing is this is one of the first attractions, I believe, that has a complete B story. Oh. A little subplot. <laughs> a little Uh-oh. subplot. It's hard enough to do an A <laughs> story. Get back in line right? We have a little yeah. subplot. Yeah. Right. And it involves Pluto. So we're really encouraging people when they ride the attraction to look out for what Pluto is up to in the midst of the adventure. Okay. You won't see him maybe your first ride through in some scenes. He's pretty much in all scenes, but he's being the dutiful dog, and he's trying to get a little job done. And if you notice him, it's really fun at the end. Oh, good. You guys really did make this harder on yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) We love a good challenge. (laughs) So, Kevin, your book, Magic Journey, My Fantastical Walt Disney Imagineering Career, came out last year. So, So what do you hope that a young aspiring Imagineer would read in your book and take away from it? Well, a couple of things. What I hope readers take away, especially young people, especially those aspiring to be an Imagineer, is that it's, it's a lot of work, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun. My old boss and mentor and friend, Marty Scalar, who was the head of Walt Disney Imagineering for many years, always said, you know, how can you create fun unless you're having fun? And so I started to write down these kind of lighthearted stories about how, how it was fun and it was different. I mean, if you think about... All the jobs on this planet, there are a lot of doctors, there are a lot of airline pilots, there are a lot of dentists, there are a lot of people that do the same jobs around the world, but really how many Imagineers are there? There's just a drop of water in the ocean of careers out there, right? So I've been really, really blessed and fortunate to be able to help create Disney park attractions all over the world. And so what I'm hoping to do is give them an entertaining little bit of inspiration that kind of wraps up with, you know what? If you work hard and you have dreams, your dreams really can come true. And I'm kind of, you know, living proof of that. So it just kind of chronicles a lot of the crazy but true stories. You can't make the stuff up that happened along the way. That's amazing. Love that. And Sharita, you worked on designing the Parks Pavilion for the very first D23 Expo back in 2009. 2009, yeah. What's it like (laughs) designing that and now having some of your work actually showcased in it? Well, I think the short answer is it's absolutely thrilling. 
Going back to D- that D23, it's kind of interesting. Prior to doing that, I had almost exclusively been spending my time in a lab environment with that scenic illusion team. And we had come up with a number of different things. And I was approached by leadership and they're like, there's this thing called D23 and we're not really sure how it's all gonna work out, but figure it out. <laughs> like, okay. And so I went back to my team and I said, so I've been given this assignment for D23 and they all said, we're going with you. So it's like, okay, well, you know what? Since there's no precedent, (laughs) as we're doing our pavilion, maybe this would be an opportunity for us to showcase some of the early work that we've done. And so it was one of the first opportunities to really get some of our work out in front of the public, which was really exciting and thrilling. And what that did was it opened up the door for us to continue on and to continue to work on our techniques and our tools. So I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And then eventually, you know, I got the call that, you know, we want to put our guests inside of a Mickey short and we think maybe some of the work that you and your team have been doing would lend itself to doing that. And so I went back to the team and I'm like, okay, this is what we trained for. (laughs) (laughs) And that was 11 years ago, right? And and you've come a long way since then. And, And I love that there's a D23 connection with Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway and that it was kind of at the very humble beginnings of your expertise and your craft of of theatrical illusion and that helped you to kind of build upon that art until now it was built upon to perfection which allowed us to showcase it in a ride through attraction which is really a cool story and it's really a dream come true it really is mm-hmm. so it's really all thanks to D23 and the D23 Expo really as long as we're telling the truth here yes so thank you D23 <laughs> our pleasure <laughs> So, Sharita and Kevin, you two have worked together for a while now. If you could describe the other in one word, what word would you pick? Just one word? Just one. (laughs) Well, for Kevin, it's not fantastical. (laughs) (laughs) If just one word, it would have to be amazing. Kevin is amazing on every level. Professionally, talent wise, personally, he's amazing. Oh. Oh. Now I'm supposed to Top talk. That. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Sharita. You're turning red. I know. I, I think there are like a hundred words to describe Sharita, but I keep going back to since you asked that question, I keep going back to inspirational. Mm-hmm. Sharita's inspirational in, in many, many ways. And and you know, like she mentioned, her team members were very brilliant when she was working on, in the scenic illusion group and they were brave and they were fearless. And that's exactly the way she is. So I think I was able to kind of live being inspired by Sharita every day to keep, you know, approaching all the gauntlets mm-hmm. of what's so hard to create an attraction because it, it really is a lot of work. She's just been an inspiration to me since day one. Oh. <laughs> so, as you can imagine, people are very excited about the attraction opening. So, we went to the interwebs, we asked people what they wanted to know about the attraction. So, we've got a few questions oh, from, yeah. uh, from the socials at Ryan Dossier and at Heart is Gone. And a lot of other people wanted to know about the characters, which characters are going to be in the attraction, because we've seen glimmers, glimpses, posters. Can you break down who we're going to see? 
You know, or, or at least some of them. You should take this and talk about our newest character. Oh my goodness, yes. Okay, so guests should expect to see what I think we're calling now the sensational six. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep, yep. Okay. That, we're, we're th- yes, we're throwing Daisy in there too. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. So that's what they should expect. But also, we are introducing a brand new character that will make a few cameos throughout the attraction, and it's a little golden orange bird called Chuby. And he's a song and dance bird, and he aspires to go to Broadway. So he's just adorable. And <laughs> I love that. Yes. So we're really proud of him. And I'd like to say that I'm officially the president of his fan club. Ooh, <laughs> she the, loves Chuby. From the moment I saw him, I fell in love. So I'm really glad that we were able to put him into the attraction so our guests can look out for him. And also we have another, a, a cast of other new characters that appear in, in different roles in the attraction as well. One of my favorites that guests won't see their first 12 times through because it's kind of off in another direction is is we have a little, um, I guess it's okay to talk about this now, but we have a little rubber bounce house in one of our scenes, a carnival scene, and we have three little brand new characters jumping up and down in the bounce house. And one of them is a porcupine kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not going to end. Yeah. Well, this question comes from at Dizflix. Uh, a couple other people want to know, too, if Potato Land will play into the adventure. Everybody loves Potato Land. Everybody loves Potato Land. <laughs> I mean, it's a land of potatoes. It's, a land. it's, it's actually a very, very funny. It, short it really is. It's, it. it's really, really funny. Okay, so I think the way that I'm going to answer that question is yes, but it'll be up to the guests to figure out how. Intriguing. I like this. Keep your eyes open, everybody. This one comes from at Drew Disney Dude. Are there any hidden Mickeys we should look out for? I don't know. They're hidden. (laughs) (laughs) Keep your eyes open, and you'll be surprised by a lot of things you'll see. Yeah, I I think that's that's really the case. There are so many things to discover in this attraction, and I think our guests are going to be amazed at those who have an opportunity to do it more than once, how they are able to pick up on so much more the second and third time through, because we really want our guests to be surprised and delighted. So there's a lot to discover. And, you know, a funny thing to say is that, you know, Sharita and I have been creatively leading this attraction and we don't even know all the surprises that are in it because we have a very, very fun and talented team. Yes. And, uh, and we trusted them to, yeah, you know, yeah. to do what they do. To do what they do, exactly. Uh, that's, I can't wait. At Devin Christener asked, what was the greatest challenge with creating an attraction that puts the 3D guests in a 2D world? That's got Sharita written all over it. (laughs) Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, it was a huge design challenge because it was something that we had never done before. But what it ended up being was an opportunity for us as Imagineers to create a design language, which Mm. is really great. And we had to do some experimentation and some back and forth, but it, it all worked out really well. So it was a challenge, but it was also an absolute delight for our designers. All right, at Joseph X-Force has a very basic question. How long is the attraction? You know, we have a very basic answer for that. The attraction is as long as your typical Mickey Mouse cartoon short. It's your own short adventure. You get to ride inside a Mickey Mouse cartoon short. Right. There you go, Joseph. Well, I've got another uh, limited word question for you guys. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) At Apollo 772 wants you to describe the attraction in four words. 
Oh, I'll take that one. <laughs> Go for it. Wonderful, colorful, musical, and magical. Yes. Ooh, there it is. I Love like it. it. I want a t-shirt. <laughs> People frequently describe Candace as that. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'll take but she it. does have the Mickey and Minnie t-shirt on. That she does. Very for you guys That's today. wonderful. She's Candace. rocking it. Yeah. Nice, thanks. Well, we end every show by asking our guests what their favorite Disney memory is. So you guys are up. Favorite Disney memory. Oh my goodness. Okay. In she one word. I'm just <laughs> oh, in one word. <laughs> Mickey. <There you> go. <laughs> Such a good one. Well, favorite Disney memory. I think I've shared this before, but I was an Air Force brat, so I didn't grow up in Los Angeles. And uh, when we came to California, we lived about 200 miles north of here. So what that meant was that we didn't get to come to Disneyland every year, but we did come periodically. And we had this kind of family ritual where when my parents would announce we were going, my sisters and I were responsible for raising money so that we would have spending money, right? And so then when we would get to the gate, uh, my dad would say, okay, you guys have done a great job, you know, raising your money. And he'd pull out some fresh $20 bills and he'd hand us that money and then he'd say, okay, this is it. So, you know, spend it wisely. (laughs) So when I started working for Imagineering, and there was an opportunity for me to invite my parents down to L.A. to go to Disneyland, of course, we got out in front of the, the gate. And once we got in, I pulled out some fresh $20 bills, and I handed one to my mom, and I said, one to my dad, and I said, spend it wisely. Oh, <laughs> that. That's amazing. That's so good. Uh, I think one of my favorite memories came at the end of Radiator Springs Racers Project in Cars Land. And one of my favorite things to do is when I work on an attraction is after it opens to kind of stand in the unload area and listen to guests and their responses as they get out. Of course, you know, that was a lot of work. And when that attraction first opened, we had worked very hard to get it there. So I was, to use car terms, I was kind of running on fumes by that time. (laughs) So I was leaning against the wall. And the first couple of ride-throughs, I was listening to guests. And one family jumped out of their car after they had uh, experienced the attraction. And there was this little five- or six-year-old guy who was just so excited. He jumped out of the car after having just ridden the attraction, and he was jumping up and down, just jumping up and down, just crazily jumping up and down. And he was trying to say something, but he just couldn't get it out. And all he kept saying was, that 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 was. And it just went on, and finally he landed. He knew what he was going to say. He goes, I never want to leave this place. And all the work and all, it just melted like wax. It was a beautiful thing. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do, right? We do what we do for our guests in the park who who just love it. Right. And that is a favorite part, I think, for both of us to uh, be at the the unload and just get that feedback from the guests. There's nothing more rewarding when what you've worked on and you've put your heart and soul in really resonates with them and they really enjoy it. Well, that sums up Imagineering. My gosh. Well, congratulations, both of you. The ride is phenomenal. It is incredible. It is a runaway success. (laughs) 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 Thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. you. This has been fun. That was inspirational and amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good one, Sherry. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for the latest Disney info and also to catch our video episode, 
celebrating Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, visit D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Disney. Inside Disney.